and welcome in to another episode of the Tell Me More NFL show on the Tell Me More podcast. I'm your host, Mac Moore, here again with Bobby G. How's it going, Bobby? I'm doing pretty good. You know, it's winter finally, so I'm getting those like weird looks and like get like all the old people tell me, like, oh, it's winter. You have to wear pants. Like, no, I'm good with my basketball shorts. I'm fine. Did, did you wear basketball shorts during the blizzard? Yeah. I laugh at your five inches of snow blizzard. Did you go outside? Yeah. During the blizzard? Yeah. In to, shorts? Yeah. I had to go, uh, I had to go shovel. All right. Well, it's great decision making. I'm glad you're proving all these old people wrong. Um, <laughs> so I, I I have stories about the blizzard, but I don't think anybody cares. We just want to talk about NFL. I will say I was supposed to be off Sunday. I had no idea about the blizzard. I just asked for the day off because I work Thanksgiving. Uh, but because one of my coworkers uh, lives out of town, I decided to not make uh, her force her to die going down. Uh, the highway and those crappy conditions. There were wrecks everywhere. So I'm kind of a saint right now. Uh, but also, uh, yeah, that that made me a little bit sad trying to like survive, uh, drive through that. Uh, it's a little distance from here to the LJ world, but I made it safely. We got the paper out real quick. Uh, and then I got back to uh, trying to watch football and try to prepare for this podcast. A lot of interesting stuff happened this week. And, you know, we're going to start out with all the interesting stuff. We're going to start with the Chiefs uh, not even having a, uh, a game for uh, this week, but just going into this next week. You know, do we want to start with Pats? I don't know. All I right. figured we could just have you say what you want about the Chiefs and move on because I got nothing to say about the Chiefs. All right. Yeah. I mean, in fairness, that was a very similar thing that I had because uh, initially the question that you you know you wanted us to talk about is what do they need to fix coming out of the bye? It, I don't even think the bye matters. They've had the they've needed to fix the same thing all year. It's the defense. Um, I think that, you know, when you, you look at the, what happened in the Rams game, you take it in many ways. You can be the second game this year that was high-powered offenses and the Chiefs came up short, you know, one of their few games against one of the what we'd call Super Bowl contenders. Uh, so maybe there's something to worry about there. But I think mostly uh, there's a little bit of errors that Patrick Mahomes made on tape. Uh, there's stuff that he can look at, figuring out. You know, he was forcing a few passes at the end. Uh, you start figuring out what to do about the pass protection. How much is his fault for holding on to the ball and dropping back too deep? How much is just kind of a miscommunication? Uh, how much is bad play calling when you have Travis Kelsey needing to be the key block on one of those last plays where they end up, uh, Patrick Mahomes gets hit and the, the ball goes to Marcus Peters. Uh, some things went wrong, but, I mean, even with the five turnovers, I don't think anybody can argue that wasn't an amazing game by Patrick Mahomes. Uh, without... The, just the way he was slinging the ball, they're not even in that game, and instead it's this you know epic shootout that breaks all these Monday Night Football records. So things to work on, still did an amazing job. The problem will always be the defense. I think there was a few crazy Chiefs fans that tried to say it was Patrick Mahomes' fault with the turnovers. Like He's not throwing those turnovers if the defense did its job the rest of the game. Uh, at this point, there's not much to fix it, though. Uh, Eric Berry, we just got some news that he's supposed to be at the practice facility, uh, looks a little bit closer to being... Uh, able to come back at least there's a there, there's hope there uh, although there's no certainty he'll be able to make it to the Sunday game uh, against the Raiders but he is the closest thing they have to a fix it doesn't solve all of their problems but it's a big step forward what he brings to the table at the very least I think he can come in and shore up the run stop which as long as you can be a much better rush defense than they've been for most of this year uh, in terms of the pass defense we know they'll get gashed we also know the pass rush on uh, various plays can get there with just four guys. Uh, they have to get there very quick because the, the cornerbacks don't hold up for very long, but it's there. It's a possibility. Defense, if they get a little bit better, you add Eric Berry, uh, that might be the thing that pushes them over the top because otherwise I, I think it will always be co- going down to that one last play, the one who makes the last mistake through two games, uh, two high-profile games. It was Patrick Mahomes, but I, I, you know, 
I, I'm an Alex Smith uh, apologist, and I was still would say, you know, the the losing those type of games. I'm not thinking, okay, that's what's going to happen in the playoffs. Like it, it doesn't make me worried about that. I think Patrick Mahomes will always have this team in contention to win the game, and it makes me excited for what will happen in the postseason. But that's it. They nothing's really changed. I don't think the Rams puts them in a weird spot. The only issue that it causes is now they've lost two games. Chargers are right there with three losses and have to play the Chargers in a couple weeks. Uh, you're going to need to win these games. You, there, there's no let up. Obviously, Brown, uh, the Raiders got them twice, uh, one here and then one at the end of the year. Those are games that are should be gimme games. And they have to be gimme games. You need to win those. You need to try to get that home field advantage because that will probably be the most important thing for the Chiefs. That's the biggest loss to the Rams is it, it's all in the scoreboard. It's not in how I think. They will compete against the best teams in the NFL. So that's it for the Chiefs, unless you have something to add real quick. Uh, talk, talking about it Pats. looks like Eric Berry will be coming back this week. Do you think he should come back this week against the Raiders, or should they just, if he's not practicing at 100%, should they just wait on him? I, but that's, yeah, that's the thing is it, there's no reason to force him back, but there's never been. He's been out for a while. Uh, the, the biggest issue is time. It's not, is he ready to play this week against the Raiders? Is it... Is he ready to get out there this week? So over the course of the next few weeks, he starts to get that rust off, starts to get going, start playing. Because you need Eric Berry to be the Eric Berry that is an all-pro safety. Uh, we don't know what he's capable of, how much that injury is still going to hamper him. Just because he's healthy and able to run on it, is he going to be 100%? Is he going to be able to get to full speed uh, before the playoffs? Because that's what you want. You want him in the playoffs to be that guy and can be a difference maker. And I, I don't know, you know, it's hard to tell without being inside that locker room to figure out, you know, how much he's trying to like, you know, be careful with that heel and not mess it up anymore. We, we don't know how much is about protection, but I really think the, the time element is we, the chiefs need to get him out there because they need to make sure that he's running at a hundred percent by the time of the playoffs. And if, he misses this week, and then he misses another week. Like If he's still not on the field, then you have the problem that he's not going to get enough games uh, under him to get back and kind of get in the rhythm. Uh, I mean, you don't have to be in great rhythm because it's not like there's a lot of better players in front of him, but that's what you want. You want him to be in rhythm, and you want him to be that great player, which can take some time. It could take some games. So I wouldn't force him out there against the Raiders, but you don't want to keep waiting and waiting and waiting and then be like, okay, we're throwing him out there the final week of the season. Yeah, that all makes sense to me. I mean, I really got nothing to add. It's the Chiefs. Like I said, <laughs> it was it was the bye week. and Nothing really changed. Yeah, nothing really changed. Uh, Patriots, uh, not a lot really changed. But, I mean, the, the main thing that didn't change is uh, Patriots came out, had a pretty good game that they're supposed to have against the Jets, 27-13. Offense uh, looked like he was doing what he was supposed to. Bobby still wants to come in here and talk about, is this team falling from great to good? So, Bobby, I'll just let you start because uh, I, I think it's a, it's a very weird question that I would like to punt until next week. But if you want to start talking about it, let me let me tell me why you're so worried about the Patriots after watching how their offense was playing against the Jets this last week. It's not that I'm worried about it. It's I think this game showed us what this version of the Patriots truly are with Tom Brady because – whether anyone wants to admit it or not, Brady got old this year. He got old, and you saw it in a couple of his passes when he was throwing a James White in the red zone, completely dirted it, skipped it to him a couple times. He was, When they were moving uh, left to right on the field, he had to throw a comeback route down to Josh Gordon, 
was an absolute duck, barely got there. He doesn't have any zip on the ball anymore in terms of his deep ball. He can still, you know, pick apart a defense with his mind, whatever you want it to be, but this is not something like when Peyton Manning fell off the cliff and he absolutely couldn't throw the ball five yards, but Tom Brady's getting old and it hit him quick. And I think the most damning thing for this Patriots team is when they could move away from Brady and go to the run game, they went there fast. And this is going to be more like a version of the Patriots from 2004, 2003, where they're going to rely on their run game and they're going to rely on Tom Brady not to turn it over, not to make mistakes, you know, throw the ball when he needs to. But other than that, they're going to run the ball a lot. They ran for over 200 yards. It's something like 220 total yards. But the problem is they don't have a defense to back that up. They're going to need to put up a lot of points. And 27-13 is a two-score Two-score game, obviously, 14 points, covered a 13-point spread. But if you think about it, this game was never really in the bag for the Patriots until the very end where they made that fourth down stop at the goal line. Other than that, you know, the Jets the Jets really were there the whole time. If, you, if the Jets just would have declined the penalty on fourth and two instead of moving in the third and 12, they probably, you know, it's a different game because Brady got up a miracle to Gronk, which was a bad pass. Gronk bailed him out. Other than that, the Patriots really didn't dominate this. For the most part, you know, when the Jets wanted to move the ball, they could. The Patriots' defense stepped up in the second half, as they always do. But other than that, you know, this it's this team isn't anything spectacular like we've seen in the past years. Brady's lost his zip. He's still, he's still Tom Brady. Let's not get that wrong. He can absolutely figure out what you're going to do, get it to the right guy. The problem is you just can't get it to a guy who's more than 10 yards down the field. They're not going to have any big plays. They're going to manufacture the offense through misdirection, whatever you want to be. Gronk's not Gronk anymore, no matter what his stat line I show you from the Jets game. Edelman's, you know, old and crafty. He's not dynamic. Josh Gordon really hasn't shown up downfield. Maybe that's because of he's not the same player he used to be. He's getting a little older. It's probably more because Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick knows Tom Brady can't throw the ball down the field anymore at this point, and they keep making him pass for, you know, 30-plus attempts. I really hope they get away from that soon. And if you need Tom Brady to pass the ball because his defense is an absolute wreck, I don't think this is going to be a great defense. They show up against very bad quarterbacks. But Josh McCown started this game absolutely picking them apart. They obviously made the adjustments when they needed to, but I I say they've fallen from great to good because this is not a Patriots team that should scare anyone anymore because they're just painfully slightly above average the only thing that makes them different is their coaching and their in and their ability to let you beat yourself as i mean other than that this, this patriots team if they don't get a bye i think they're probably one and done in the playoffs well and, and that's the important thing but you know the question is whether they get the bye i mean they're right now they're eight and three uh they have not lost at home so they're a game out from home field advantage and as you're, you know, looking ahead and trying to figure out what they can do, can they get themselves into that position? Uh, it's going to be tough. The The top of the AFC is a little bit stronger than I think we thought to start the year. But they somehow found a way to be right there, right where they need to be. And you have this game where, you know, uh, maybe Tom Brady isn't chucking the ball down the field in the same way they did. I mean, he was never never had the strongest arm anyways, yeah. but he could take advantage when there was an open player downfield. He hit that guy each and every time. Uh, right now, though, he was having bad weeks. He was having weeks where he looked 
like, you know, you talk about uh, just tearing guys up in the you know intermediate passing game and just picking them apart. He wasn't able to do that, and not necessarily against really good teams. And this week he came out and 20 of 31, 283 yards, uh, 9.1 yard average, two touchdowns, uh, QBR way up, uh, quarterback rating's fine. And when you add in that running game with Sony Michelle and then even James White starting to look like a back that – a uh, little bit of it's, uh, you know, getting to the outside and he's just really fast. But there's some times they put him between the tackles and he, he makes some plays. And that is a, a team that's built to at least win the games that they're supposed to win. And if you do that and you get to the point where you can sneak in, hopefully take the, the bye week, but that, that home field advantage, not that far away, not that hard. And if you're going to put money on it, it's like put money on the Patriots to figure it out. You know, like put money on the Patriots to be the ones that can close out this season find a way uh, to, to you know, win. They, they have a few tough games, you know, with the Vikings coming up this week, uh, Steelers in two weeks, but then the other three games, Dolphins, Bills, and Jets. Uh, at, at Miami, where they seem to always struggle, just, that's, just for that's transparency's fair. sake. That's fair. They also beat the Dolphins last time 38-7, to and also the Dolphins are horrible. So... I think the Dolphins magic, they kind of write out those that the Bills win or the the Bears win. And then, uh, you know, for a few weeks there, they were trying to like, oh, Brock Osweiler might be a not <laughs> shitty quarterback. And no, he is. Uh, didn't take long to figure that out. But they have one, you know, Vikings is at home. Steelers on the road is going to be tough. But it's still possible. It's still within range. They do need to get that bye week because uh, just, just give Tom Brady some time to recover going in. And I feel like maybe maybe we are close to that Toby Keith, not as good as he once what it was, but he's as good once as he ever was. Maybe that's where Tom Brady's at. But I'd be willing to put my to- my money on Tom Brady to do that, to have that one last hurrah and a bye week get you that much closer. They have the rest of the pieces there. And, you know, I think one of their biggest problems is they get murdered by every team that's fast. It does, they don't need to be good. They're just fast. And the top teams, if they face the Chiefs again, that that's a fast team. And at the time when the, when they won by three points, the the Chiefs' pass rush didn't look as good as it's looked over the last few weeks. If that pass rush is coming at Tom Brady, they're able to get pressure on him with only four guys coming after him. Tom Brady might pick him apart like he he knows how to do, but he also might not be as successful as he was last time. And last time they need each and every yard and every point uh, to beat that Chiefs team. And you know that that defense. He, uh, that that was their best shot against the Chiefs. Like that was the Bill Belichick magic to slow down Patrick Mahomes. Uh, how, how to hold down a rookie quarterback? You know, and Patrick Mahomes put up forty. Uh, I can only imagine what happens if the Patriots have to roll into Arrowhead and go one more time against this Chiefs team. Oh, they they get punked. They'd absolutely get punked. So they re- they really need that bye week, but I think they really need that home field advantage and. It starts this week. starts with the Vikings. And normally, I think we, we talk about this towards the end, but since we're talking about the Pats, uh, I think you you had this as uh, one of the games that we could – and you know what? Never mind. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back out because I think I'm going to take the other game on our little bets <laughs> at the end. Uh, th- that's an interesting game. I don't know. Is, is the Patriots still is it, uh, uh, minus six? Is that where the line is? Let's was, see here. You're just assuming I'm going to be nice and let you pick again. I mean, you could pick if you want to. I just I was trying yeah, to – Yeah, it's uh, five and a half right now. All right, so that seems like a, it's a way too big of a line to face the Vikings, but maybe it is just tough uh, to, to go into Foxborough, and may, those lines makers usually know more than we do. So we'll have to see. But do you think that they'll be able to hold that down facing a Vikings team that is a balanced offense, 
that has fast players. You know, not only is Thielen good across the middle, but Diggs is able to take the top off of good defenses, let alone this Patriots defense. Dalvin Cook hasn't had a good time, but I have a feeling he's going to have a good time against this Patriots defense when he has those wheels. Do you think that the Patriots, forget the six-point line, do you think they're going to be able to hold serve, win this game, and keep on that road to trying to get that bye week? No, I don't because the Jets, I just watching this Jets game, it finally hit me. Like This team is not dynamic. They're not fast. They're not exciting. They're just, if this team was in, let's say, the AFC South, I think this is honestly an eight-win team. Tom Brady has become... It's a dirty word in my opinion, but Tom Brady's really a game manager right now. He's gonna if he's not gonna make any big plays, he's just gonna, you know, kinda dink and dunk him down the field. And I think as against this Vikings defense, it's not gonna work out. They're too fast at the linebackers. They have struggled sometimes at corner, but you know, with Edelman and Gordon, you know, don't have anyone to really exploit that, that much. You know, Edelman's gonna get his short routes. Gordon's gonna you know, I'm still not really sure what Josh Gordon does in this offense or for this offense because like we said, Tom Brady doesn't have that deep ball anymore. And, you know, I'm I'm not a hugely sold on Kirk Cousins, but I think he should be able to slice and dice up this Patriots defense very easily with Rudolph, talked about Thigs and Dillon, talked about Cook. Even Latavius Murray should have an easy time running through his Patriots defense. So if I'm putting money on this game, I'd, I'd easily take the Vikings straight up. But you know what, for... For this sake, I'm going to take the the Vikings plus five and a half, and you can have the Patriots. <laughs> is, that, is that what's happening? Yeah, that's there? that's what's happening. I'm right. I'm taking it this week. All right, so uh, that's sad. I really wanted to take the Steelers. Up, uh, <laughs> I think they were uh, minus three and a half. Yeah, minus three. See, I'll take the three and a half. I'll take we can, it. We can I'll double take, up if you want. I'll, I mean, yeah, if you want to. I, I was going to take the Steelers minus three and a half, so they need to win by four, which – you know, with these type of teams, that can easily just be a field goal game. But it's also the Chargers we're it's talking about. It's also the Chargers. So at at Pittsburgh, we'll lock it in. I'm plus five right now, but I got the Vikings minus five and a, plus five and a half rather against the Patriots, and then the Chargers plus three and a half against the Steelers. All right, all right. So next up, we'll talk about uh, Thanksgiving. I know that seems like so far away, but there are some uh, games that we still talk about now. Three games, uh, you know, to to have to talk about not the worst slate of Thanksgiving games as it normally happens. I mean, not, not the greatest slate, but uh, fairly entertaining um, from beginning to end. Uh, Saints, Bears, Cowboys come away with wins. Uh, the, the question being, which uh, which one means the most? Which team uh, added the most to uh, their playoff hopes with that victory on Thanksgiving? You know, I think we're going to take a little side for a second here. I think the most satisfying game for me was the fact that the Saints covered the thirteen. It was crazy. That was very satisfying for me. Hey, did, were you were you getting worried there? The Falcons were in the goal line so often, but we know how the Falcons end in goal line. See, the funny thing was, go well. the funny thing was, I was so worried about cooking my turkey, and by the time you know the Saints game came around, I was you know slightly tipsy. So I was like, man, I wish I would have bet on this game. And then it like hit me at halftime. I was like, oh, I do have. I did bet on this game. <laughs> then I was just like evilly laughing every time the Falcons went forward on like fourth and two of their own 40 and missed it. I was like, <laughs> it was, it was very satisfying. But in terms of their playoffs hopes, I think this meant the most for the bears because it looks like Trubisky's not going to be able to play or may not be able to play this week against the giants. They're talking about sending him out again in that division. You know, you still got, you still got to worry about the Packers, even if they're not going to, win the division they still have another game against the Packers they have another game against the Vikings so this 
division's not locked up, and they still got to play the Rams. Obviously, the Rams are going to be in Chicago, so that's a little different. But if you're going to have Trubisky hurt and you win a game, that keeps you in contention for for the two seed, especially with the Rams coming in. I think this was a huge win, and that defense showed up. Oh, did I say Chase Daniels? Who was the Who was the backup? That played for the Bears. Yeah, who, who played? Chase, Chase Daniel it won w- them the game. Yeah. It was Chase Daniel. Okay, yeah. I had, like I had a little, I had a little bit of moment there. I was like, was it Chase Daniel? He ruined that the stat of how much money he's made per pass. Like he was ruining yeah. that, that rate. <laughs> uh, but he yeah. did get them the victory, so maybe it was worth it. He had too many passes in that game. I was like, this can't be Chase Daniel. But either way, yeah, you, the Saints I think are going to lock up the one or two seed. That so you know the win didn't really matter. The Cowboys, you know. With the Eagles winning against the Giants, I think it does matter because I don't see this Cowboys team being good enough despite, you know, Amari Cooper's fantastic game. I'm still going to bet on the Eagles somehow jumping over the Cowboys. So for me, the Bears, you know, they kept their division hopes alive. They kept their top two seed hopes alive no matter how small it may be. And with their schedule remaining, they have three games they really need to win. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with the Cowboys just because it actually got them into uh, first place uh, in the division lead. Uh, obviously, you could make the argument that the Redskins were always going to fall out once Alex Smith went down. Uh, but it's still, I mean, the Eagles are a game back, so each win, very important. And for the Bears, I, I think even if they lose that game, I think they're definitely going to snag one of those wild card spots. Like, uh, even if the Vikings catch back up with them, they're going to get at least that. I think it's more likely that they're going to, you know, find a way to take this division. And the the bye week has always been a tough order. Obviously, this helps, but I don't think it was uh, as important. I, I think, you know, because it could still end up easily. Rams and Saints just run away with it, and nobody has a chance of snagging the spot, which is what I think is going to happen. Uh, but you're right. In the Bears' mind, this keeps them in play there. But I'm definitely going to have to go with the Cowboys, who have actually gotten themselves. If they don't win that game, they're out of the playoffs. So for them, that definitely they're going to go from, uh, you know, being on the outside looking in to now they could potentially win that division, get a home game to start out the playoffs and maybe give them a chance to actually, you know, get a win there. Uh, not likely, but it could happen. We'll have to see uh, how the wild card uh, ends up playing out and who they might end up facing. Speaking of the wild card, before we move on, I forgot to add this on, but how bad does that Panthers decision look last week to go for two now that they lost again against the Seahawks? Uh, I mean, it's, it's always looked bad, but now definitely uh, they're – Gonna have a tough time making it in. I think uh, when you look at the teams, it'll probably end up being uh, whichever team comes in second place in the NFC North is gonna be that first wild card. And then the second one, Seahawks are in the driver's seat. I mean, I, technically Redskins are above them right now due to a tiebreaker, but let's be honest, they're probably gonna end this season like 7-9 and nine or maybe 6-10. and 10. They might not win another game down the stretch. Then it'll be between the Panthers. The Eagles are still game back fighting in. Uh, if you believe Aaron Rodgers' timeline, uh, the Packers are still in play, sort of. Uh, I've had to finally just get off that idea that Aaron Rodgers is going to find a way to make it happen. This is a little <laughs> too little too late, so as I jump off, yeah, he might be able to turn around right then. But no, Seahawks are right there in the driver's seat, and if the Panthers would have came away with that win the week before, then they would still be looking at the Seahawks in the rearview mirror despite that loss. Uh, it's bad. It, it, puts, it puts them on the outside, and, you know, Chris McCaffrey, 100 rushing yards, 100 receiving yards. That goes for not this week. They they look like they have some of the pieces, but all of a sudden the, the wheels have just came off for the Panthers. I don't think they make the playoffs. No, I don't think it's 
they make the playoffs either. And it seems like they were relying too much on McCaffrey because it's for the longest time it seemed like all they were doing is checking it down to McCaffrey or running it with McCaffrey, running with Newton. That's and fair, but they they don't have a lot of options. There's they, like who D, DJ Moore's looking pretty good. Funchess is okay, but the yeah. problem is this this pair. Panthers team used to be all about defense. Now that defense has just evaporated, and I think if you're relying that much on Cam Newton in the offense, it's not going to work out. I was never sold on Cam Newton, even when he did have the defense. Now he's got to actually win games consistently. I, I'm not buying into that at all. All right, so uh, next up we got to talk about uh, the Ravens, uh, another win with Lamar Jackson at the quarterback position. And the thing we ask, I don't know why we ask it every week because we, it's the same answer whether Lamar Bar Jackson came into it or not. Is the Joe Flacco era over? I'll just say real quick no, and then I'll let you explain why I'm right. You're going to say no? You or, say, no, it is over. Sorry. My bad. I, I explained it wrong. It is over. <laughs> it's been over. We know it's been over. So, it, it, Bobby, t- p- tell us why the Joe Flacco era is over. Because he's never been elite. But the reason I put this on here is because I was thinking of a cheeky little team that they could, uh, he could go on to next year. And I. I'm still playing everything off the theory that I think Tom Brady's done in New England after this year. Okay. I abs- I absolutely 100% believe that. And if Joe Flacco is done in Baltimore like I think he is, I think New England is a very good spot for Joe Flacco in 2019. Now, obviously, you have to assume Brady's going to be gone, which I think he is, and you have to assume Flacco's going to be cut. But Joe, You also have to assume Bill Belichick uh, has died and then turned over in his grave. But, okay, go, you, go on. They got to sign someone to bridge. You got to think about it that way. Brian Hoyer's not your guy. Joe Flacco, you know, he's obviously not the sexiest quarterback. I've never, I will die a little bit if they actually do it, but it does make a lot of sense as a veteran guy, you know. He might not have handled it the best, but he can be someone who can win you some games. They, if, if Tom Brady, uh, let, let's let's say that he finishes the year not looking like he looked against the Jets, but even looked like he looked the two weeks before that, I still take Tom Brady next year over Joe Flacco. See, but Bill Belichick. Bill I, Belichick still yeah. takes Tom Brady over Joe Flacco. I, I don't think Belichick keeps Tom Brady. You might be right. You could be right. I don't think you are, but you could be right. And even if you were right, Joe Flacco is not the guy. That would be where you're wrong because that's not happening. See, no one's going to be in the the guy for New England next year because this team is not, not going to have the, guy. the talent. There is no way Bill Belichick decides Tom Brady we're moving on and our stopgap is Joe Flacco. Makes no sense. If you're going to do that, you're either going to find a guy in free agency who's got a better option than that. You're going to do whatever you can to trade up to draft a guy that you're just going to start playing next year, or you decide to bottom out and be. Can't even imagine, but imagine the Patriots having to go a whole season being a two-three win team. That entire town of Boston will light themselves on fire, and with, with you the, get a you get a top quarterback the next year and go forward. There is no way with Bill Belichick in charge, he would let them do something so stupid as to take a stopgap year or two with Joe Flacco, where he puts you as a middling team that's never going to put you over the top, and you're losing the ability to draft high to potentially replace Tom Brady. See, I see it as the other way. You draft the quarterback this year. This is all me going based off my theory that even if you did, there was a better stopgap than Joe Flacco. Anybody else is better than Joe right. Flacco. See, I I believe Joe Flacco on a on a cheeky cheap contract is exactly someone Bill Belichick would sign. I don't think it'll end up being that cheap. I think there's other I, my my destination. If I thought of where Joe Flacco would go, and it really depends, it has to be another team making a a very questionable decision. But I think we've talked a lot about the Jaguars trying to go after Eli Manning when he's done in 
in New York. And I think that's the bad plan. I think if there's one team that that fits and it makes the most sense, it's Joe Flacco going to the Jaguars. And I, I think that there's just not a lot of places where Joe Flacco works. You think of Joe Flacco as a guy, he's going to be a sort of game manager, but instead of being a guy like Alex Smith who tries to hold on to the ball, Joe Flacco is like, eh, I'll throw it deep every couple of plays. We'll have a bunch of three and outs. Hopefully the defense is good enough, and hopefully you know we do a low-scoring 20-13 to 13 affair, and I happen to get one 60-yard bomb that puts us over the top. That's a Joe Flacco game. That's uh, a best-case scenario Joe Flacco so game. So elite. The Patriots are not that defense. They're not close. They won't be that defense anytime soon. Uh, the Jaguars are the closest, but we also live in a world where there aren't a lot of teams that can do that because that's not the game anymore. That's that's not a, a winning strategy to have a low-scoring affair. With the rules, the way it's shifted to benefit the high-powered offenses, uh, top defenses don't mean very much. I mean, we talk about the Jaguars of like they've had a bad year. They end up losing to the to Buffalo this week. They let Josh Allen uh, beat them, and Jalen Ramsey still kept talking shit because that's all he knows how to do. <laughs> Did you see him pointing out that the Buffalo sideline mid-game, and he's like, you're trash, you're trash. <laughs> then you lose to them, bro. <laughs> Talk trash after you win, at least. But if you if you look at the stats, it's not like the Jaguars have fallen off. They're not that team that they were last year, but based by uh, defensive DVOA, they're still a, I think, Think a top seven defense. I think they're like sixth or seventh right yeah, now. Yeah, the defense so, isn't the problem in Jacksonville. So when you look at that, yeah, could they have won some more games if they were still that elite defense? Probably, but it's still not a formula to try to win a Super Bowl. Even if you have, I, I think last year, the last couple years, you could have just inputted Flacco and got so much more out of it than Blake Bortles, even if Joe Flacco is playing the middling kind of play he is right now. Now I don't even know if that formula works. But if that's the plan, I think it's Jags or bust. I don't think there's another team in the NFL. Because when you look at the top defenses, you look at what he needs to win. All of them have quarterbacks right now. You look at the you top uh, defense, you go Bears, you go uh, Houston. Uh, you start going down the line. N- none of them even have dicey quarterback situation. The closest one is Case Keenum, just because even when he plays good like he has the last couple of weeks, nobody wants him. No, It doesn't matter. Like, I'm just not sure. Like I could see John Elway being the guy that's like, you know what? It was fun trying out Case Keenum. I know you came on at the end of the year and started working. I think we're going to replace you with 33-year-old Joe Flacco. So I guess there's two teams. There's the Broncos and the Jaguars, and everything maybe, else maybe is a the, bad decision. Maybe and, the Giants. Why? Well, it's like we're gonna. It's like well, we're gonna add an extra four years of mediocre. It's like <laughs> it's like we don't want thirty-seven-year-old Eli Manning. We'll just we'll just move it down to Flacco. No, no, yeah, those are all draft, bad decisions. They could draft a tight end at the top of the draft oh, of and course. ignore the quarterback yet again. So good, so good. That's a good plan. Anyways, uh, yeah, I don't think it matters. I think we spent way too much time. Like really, we should have been just talking about how fun it is to watch Lamar Jackson. Who at this point hasn't even uh, looked really good from the you know just traditional from the packet from the pocket quarterbacking, but that offense is fun to watch. And with the, the concepts that they've done running the ball with Gus Edwards, which I'm so happy because I picked up Gus Edwards, even though uh, it, in one of the leagues, I'm pretty sure I'm never going to make the playoffs, but at least for the last couple of weeks, I don't look like an idiot. I have a good, I have Lamar Miller killing it for no apparent reason. And I stole Gus Edwards for pennies. So that's exciting, fun to watch. We should have been talking about that instead of talking about how garbage Joe Flacco is. See, the thing with Lamar Jackson is it's what's there really to talk about because we knew what he we all thought he was going to be this when he was coming is going to be a dynamic quarterback, can't really pass from the pocket, not super accurate. He can run it around a bunch, but as soon as you figure out that option game, he's really not going to be able to just, you know, drop back, throw it 40 times, 
pick apart a defense. So I, he, I was hoping when, he'd have a little bit of Deshaun Watson in him. I was hoping yeah. he'd have a little bit because, you know, when you look at the numbers, it's a little bit comparable to what Deshaun Watson did in college. But Deshaun Watson had a lot better skilled players around him. So I, I was wondering what he'd look like with, you know, in the NFL offense with skilled players. And then you also tailor a spread offense for him. Uh, I guess the biggest difference is he doesn't have those players, actually. Like, he... His best player, Alex Collins, he's not even, uh, you know, running most of those schemes with. They threw in Gus Edwards. It was working great. I still am excited to see what Lamar Jackson does when he has some more time to figure out the offense, when they know he's the guy and they're able to build an offense from scratch around him going into the next year, whether that's John Harbaugh still there to help him figure it out or whether they have to find somebody else who's willing to implement those concepts and then try to go get him a couple players. He, he, need, he clearly needs some talented skill players around him. I think right now, yeah, we're not seeing uh, a lot of good things from him in terms of standing back there in the pocket, but I also don't think we should write him off in terms of that. I don't think it is as one-dimensional as it had to be. We're talking about a quarterback who they kept trying to make him a wide receiver throughout the year, put him in these weird little wildcat packages, and now is they're actually throwing him in with very little effort to kind of build an offense that works for him. He's still dominated on the running game. Once you figure out even a little bit on the passing side, this could be your quarterback of the future. I I think either way, they they're, they should be all in on him. They should absolutely just you know figure out what he's going to do best and tailor the offense to that. They obviously don't have those skilled players. You have an old Michael Crabtree. You have let's see here, it's it's John Brown, and then you have uh, Willie Sneed. So solid quote-unquote solid receiving core, not going to be anything spectacular. So, yeah, they obviously need to give him some weapons there. I think the the best part about this game for me is it wasn't his passing. It was the fact that he didn't run it 27 times. He ran it 11 times, 71 yards, and a touchdown. I think that's more of what they want to see from him. Run it when you have to. Don't run it every play like he did last week. And his passing, you know, like, like you said, it's not going to be great right now. He wasn't really great in college. Wasn't a great pocket passer in college. His accuracy wasn't there. He was 14-25 this week, buck 78, a touchdown and two picks. Nothing special. Obviously. And the, the two picks were early. So he, yeah. he, he made some mistakes. He kind of corrected those at least enough to not make some, some bad reads. And from there, he, he wasn't, you know, this jaw-dropping performance, but he's starting to figure it out, and that running attack is good enough. It's good enough to win you games. It, it, it might be t- too late in the year to even uh, think about it, that wild card spot, but when you're looking forward, okay, what can we do with this and what we can do moving forward, that's a good sign for the Ravens, and, you know, I, I like him. I, I, I wonder what it would have looked like if they just knew what everybody else knew, which was Joe Flacco was done there, if they would have decided early in the year. And that doesn't mean just throw Lamar Jackson to the Wolves week one, but if you would have started working, okay, how do we put together this offense that can complement Lamar Jackson's skills? Because that's the other thing. As good as they've looked, they're still not trying to run a lot of the uh, spread passing concepts that could help Lamar Jackson. Yeah, he's not the the greatest quarterback, but you don't need him to make progressions. You need him to make throws, and he has an arm. He he's he's not inaccurate. I mean, he's not the most accurate quarterback, but he's not Tim Tebow. So get him back there. Get him running plays that can try to open it up and see what he can do. We've seen him make. You know, in college, he made big plays down the field. And when you have a run game like this where they're going to have to put eight guys in the box to try to stop it, there's going to be some open plays, and they just have to figure out to get him in the right position. I just think at this point, you know, John Harbaugh was still, you know, unwilling to say, oh, yeah, this is our guy, or Flacco's done. Like, you don't want to throw Flacco under the bus. But 
you should have been very clear with the way they've played the last few weeks. You should be like, he's our guy. We're going to make this work. John Harbaugh, I, I think the right he knows the right end's on the wall for him too. It's not just Joe Flacco who's going out of town. John Harbaugh is going to be out the door at the end of the season, and they're going to need to bring in a guy who understands how we build around Lamar Jackson to make him the quarterback we want him to be. How do we do what we're seeing in other places? Uh, you know, you don't need to make exact comparisons to Watson, to Patrick Mahomes, and uh, Mitchell Trubisky, but guys who Trubisky might be a good one because there's still questions about what he can do as a traditional passer, yet they keep getting him in positions to you know, put up big numbers. That's really what you want to do with Lamar Jackson, and they didn't even try to do that this year, so it should be exciting for the Ravens fans to see that going into next season. Uh, next one, interesting, uh, the, the Chargers uh, just beat the crap out of the Cardinals. Uh, not really a surprise, but it, it does remind you of what their, their ceiling can be in terms of putting up big points. Uh, but the question is, are they a legitimate team or are they just good at beating bad teams? Which seems like we just keep asking this each week. Do we have the same answer this week, Bobby? <laughs> I'm sorry I keep calling you out for the same questions, but we, we I, I'm the one who writes the rundown. So I'm calling myself out in, in, <laughs> in a sense. But, I mean, I'm the one who keeps pointing out that the question is something we already asked. That's you know. Yeah, so, but it, sorry about it, that. It's it's because we have to point it out every week. We still don't understand this Chargers team. They'll, you know, Philip Rivers will put up a basically immaculate, perfect performance against the Cardinals. The week after he lays the egg against a Broncos team, so you you never understand what you're gonna get from them. And we'll keep it short. But yeah, I'm still I'm still not completely sold on this Chargers team. We saw what they can be. Do I think they're going to be that every week? Do I think they're going to be that against the Steelers? You know, I hope they're well enough to cover the spread or at least not lose <laughs> by more than four. But, yeah, no, we'll keep it short and sweet. I still not completely sold on them. I don't think they can beat the Chiefs. You know, I, I give them a coin flip on the Steelers because the Steelers can implode themselves. But, yeah, no, I'm not. I'm still not sold on the Chargers. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sold either, but I, I... – I have concerns about their resume. I'm not sure it's fair to say they just beat bad teams. They beat the Seahawks. They're not a bad team. They're not a really, really good team. They're not the type of team that, you know, you, you get that win and we say, oh, yeah, you better watch out uh, for the Chargers. Uh, Chargers have a chance to do that, though. They have a chance to prove that they are one of the contenders this week against the Steelers. And it doesn't even necessarily mean to win, but you need to go in there and not get punked. Like, we've seen the Chargers get punked whenever these kind of big games come up. And now you're going into Pittsburgh. That's going to be tough because the Pittsburgh Steelers play really well at home. But if you can stay in that game, if you can only lose by three and somehow get Bobby to win, you will make me very angry, <laughs> but you will also prove that you at least, you're at least in the running. You're in that group. Uh, it's very important. But it also, you lose that game, and you're a step further from possibly taking that division. And when you become that wild card team and you have to go, you know, I, I'm trying to, Give me one second as I pull up the standings real quick to to figure out where we're at in the positioning of who uh, they might face. But uh, the Ravens are the second wild card at six and five right now, I believe. Yeah, so it, it's hard for me to figure out. When I looked at this earlier, the, the ESPN had messed up and they had the Seahawks in the AFC picture and just muddied up. So I, I had a hard time looking earlier. It made me very angry. Uh, but yeah, so right now Chargers as that uh, you know wild card spot. Uh, they might have to if they can't beat the Steelers. That might be the team they have to to face, and to to open up the playoffs. So uh, if they can't beat them now, I don't have faith that they'll beat them on the second go around. Uh, to face maybe the Texans, or if the Texans can somehow pull off that bye week, 
You're going to go into week one. Phil Rivers is going to go into Foxborough and beat the Patriots. Is that, is that likely? No, it's not very likely. There are not matchups that work very well. So this week is extremely important to figure out, are they a team that can actually compete with the top end of the AFC? Because so far in the season, yeah, they don't have the most compelling resume, but they're, they're also a team that can fight. Now, the big problem is they're going to have to do that without Melvin Gordon. Now, it, we don't know how injured he is. Got the, you know, uh, whatever is it, MCL sprain? It's what an it? MCL sprain. So not something that's going to take him out for the season, but he's not going to be there this week, and then you're going to have to bring him along and hope that you can get him up to full speed before the playoffs get going. And Melvin Gordon's extremely important for that team. You end up losing to the Steelers. You are stuck in the wild card picture, and, you know, th- for all we know, they're not going to get back up on that horse because I don't know how good this team is if you don't have Melvin Gordon coming out of the backfield being the dynamic rusher and the dynamic pass catcher that he's been. The the, the wide receivers, we talked about this, it's almost a running joke how often they drop the ball even when Phillip Rivers gets it out to him. They really need Melvin Gordon to to keep that engine running. And, you know, they, it, this, is the, this is the worst week that that could have happened for the Chargers. Uh, next up, we'll talk about uh, talk about the, the the Steelers and their uh, their loss to the Broncos, which was a was a fun game. That was dude, we kind of expected that though on the on the road and just the Steelers. They're not as inconsistent as the Chargers, but they have those same type of games. The the Steelers love to implode in like late November, December, and then, like, their one playoff game, unless it's against the Chiefs. Then they upload the week after that game. But the question is, you know, can can we take the Steelers seriously? And I seriously, I feel like we go over this every week again because we just don't know. They're, well, it, it depends on what you mean by serious. If you're serious means are they a team that can win three straight games to win the Super Bowl? There was a, something we talked about a few weeks back and my answer was no and it hasn't changed and it's not going to change. I don't think that they're the team that I would put money on winning uh, three games against top teams. Have to go run run the gauntlet of facing the Pats, facing the Chiefs, facing either the Rams or the Saints. I just don't think that's them. But to play spoiler, yeah, they're super serious about it because when you have Big Ben, you have Antonio Brown, you have Juju Smith-Schuster, you have the way James Conner is playing out of the backfield right now, and you have a defense that has capable playmakers. They don't play consistent football week in and week out. They play really bad on the road. But when they need uh, you know, to get after the quarterback, T.J. Watt's capable of doing it, and they don't do it consistently, but they are there. That is a team that you have to take seriously. I just don't know whether they can string together three games against top-end opponents. I just don't think they can. But can they do one? Can they ruin somebody else's Super Bowl aspirations? Hell yes, they can. Okay, yeah, we're we're both agreeing. I think they they win a playoff game, but besides that, they seem to they can't get out of their own way. And it seems like all of a sudden, Big Ben has this like fixation on throwing only Antonio Brown at points in the game, especially that goal line interception. He had like he it had been like five guys in his passing lane. And he got ended up getting picked off by the defensive tackle. If it wasn't picked off by the defensive tackle, it's going to be get picked off by the safety of the cornerback. He had James Connors. James Connors, yep, that's correct, awful fumble, and you had just other plays that make you worry about the Steelers, but at the end of the day, we've known the Steelers team can't get out of their own way at the end of the season, so yeah, I'm not going to say they're a Super Bowl contender anymore, I think this this game ruined that for me, but if they can win a game, maybe you know upset the Patriots or the Chiefs, but besides that, that's all they're going to be. 
So as they take that step back and now are just in line with the the Chargers fighting, I think the Steelers are going to get that uh, you know first round home game with the winning the division. Uh, but they're kind of out of the you know running for uh, the number two seed in the AFC. They're technically still mathematically there, but it seems like they're kind of out there. There are two teams that are standing there at the top: Patriots, Texans. I mean, I guess the argument would also be the Chiefs. You got those three teams. So I guess who's getting home field advantage and then who's going to be that second seed to to get that bye week? Well, I think we're both going to assume the Chiefs are going to get the... Feel for uh, now, yeah. Yeah, for now we're assuming the Chiefs are going to be the one seed, but I I think it's going to be the... I want to say my heart says the Texans, but my brain says the Patriots because it's so... Even in, no matter what I said about the Patriots... If I'm going to have to bet on the Steelers, the Texans, or the Patriots to win basically one game to get the bye week, I'm going to say the Patriots. But I'm out. No, I'm going with the Texans. That's what my heart says because I think that offense is piecing it together. The defense is getting there. I think they're going to probably have the best chance of running the table. The fact that the Steelers and the Patriots go up against each other is going to hurt them. I think the Patriots will probably lose this week to the Vikings and beat the Steelers, and then the Texans kind of just take advantage. Yeah, uh, it's tough because when I when I think about why I, I I couldn't if I had to put money on it I don't think I could put money against the Patriots. It's just they they do it every year they figure it out and you know you, you can say whatever you want about Tom Brady you know getting to that you know old man cliff and it's just all falling off. Uh, they, I just can't put money against them. But when you look at the schedule, it seems really easy to just go with the Texans. I mean, Pats have to face the Vikings and the Steelers in the next few weeks. That's two tough games, and even if they're able to just uh, get the win in the you know that that uh, gauntlet that we call the AFC East, uh, that, you <laughs> it's know, a, it's a struggle each year. Dolphins, Bills, Jets down the stretch. Uh, that that should be easier to get those three wins, but those other two are going to be really tough wins. The Texans really just have to beat the Colts, and the Colts right now. I know they're on a five-game winning streak. Uh, the it's weird that we we spent so long talking about the Chargers. We could have made much of those same arguments for the Colts. They haven't really beat anybody during that time frame, and you know when you get to face a real team uh, against the Texans, yeah, Colts might be able to pull that game off. But even if they do, the rest of the Texans games are not that hard. The next toughest opponent they're going to have is the Eagles, and by then the Eagles might already have mathematically been eliminated from the playoffs and aren't going to put up the same effort that they have before. And even if they are putting up that effort, they haven't been able to come up with victories even when they do. I think just looking at the schedule and the way the Texans are playing, the Texans don't even need to play as good as they've been playing to run the table, take that number two spot, and just watch the Patriots. Pa- Patriots could end fine. They could uh, you know, win every game except one of those two of the Viking Steelers, and the Texans can still nat- uh nab that number two spot and the Texans are looking really really good I don't know if it's a mirage I don't know if they're tricking us but like you said it's not just the offense the defense are figuring it out the the pass rush of JJ Watt and Clowney are just it's too much too much of the time and you know I, I started calling him Chiefs light but honestly the the Texans defense is so much better than the Chiefs defense that if the the Texans offense can play the way they need to they can make an argument that they really are one of the top teams in the AFC. It's not just having that, you know, seven-game stretch where they end up getting wins against some bad teams. They are a high-powered offense with a defense to back them up, 
And really on the offensive side, it was mostly just losing Fuller and like how do you, you know, figure that out? Thomas came to town, uh, wasn't able to do much uh, in the first couple weeks, but he looked really, really good on Monday night. Now, that's the Titans. I'm not going to decide Demarius Thomas is back in old form yet, but those are big playmakers that Deshaun Watson has to throw to. Lamar Miller is playing some of his, his best football, but he is Lamar Miller, so that could end at any time. That That's still a really good team, and right now, schedule says Texans, but I'm also saying Texans might just be better than the Patriots. So next up, we could talk about Aaron Rodgers. Do we have to? Do we have to do this? Do we Do we have to dissect? Aaron Rodgers, and the question being, is this Aaron Rodgers' worst season? The, the quick answer is just yes. Uh, but he's thrown 3,200 yards, 20 touchdowns, one interception through 11 games. So it's still pretty freaking good. Uh, they're just not winning. Uh, when you look at that team, it's, you know, not that surprising. Bobby, uh, is this Aaron Rodgers' worst season? And because of that, is he now no longer in the GOAT conversation? Or, as you like to say, he never really yeah, was he never he never re- really was it, it, whether it's fair or unfair he he never had the rings he's never in the conversation i don't i don't think he should ever be in the conversation because some of us rational people just like to look at stats and ability and know that and, rings and wins and losses those are all based on the team around you and your coaching staff right, and then your, drew Brees is above him still until aaron Rodgers gets there because once aaron Aaron Rodgers is going to catch up with most of the stats that those guys had despite losing four years to Brett Favre never wanting to call it quits. That's fine, but in this exact moment, no, he's not in the GOAT conversation. So it's just it's just waited out. It's yeah, just, we, we can wait it out and see, but in this exact moment, can I put him above Brady, Montana, or, or if you're talking about stats, Breeze? Absolutely not. Okay. But, yeah, we can knock this as a bad Aaron Rodgers season, and I, I don't want to spend too much time on this because I feel like, you know, it's just a Aaron Rodgers pity party. We could talk about how bad his team is, but he's got a dynamic running back. He's still got— He just got the running back, and the offensive line is horrible. Yeah. He also has—he's has a really good wide receiver, but he's the only one that's been healthy, and he's throwing to guys whose names are Valdez, Scantling, and— Aquanamius St. Brown. Did I even get close to close to saying his first name right? I've, I don't know. That's <laughs> the point. Is Bobby, you're not even sure what his first name is. I'm telling you, it's a cluster to pronounce. The point is, he doesn't have anybody else. And, the, and the, we didn't even get to the side of the ball that's been problematic his entire career. That defense is awful. So you put that all together, and why would this team be a playoff team? See, what? the thing with that is, I'm... I'm not going to, like, go off in a whole tangent about, like, his other team, but his defense has been a lot worse than this year. His offense, you know, whether you want to, you know, knock the wide receivers or not, he should be able to, with his talent, just throw people open. He has done that. He has carried a team to the NFC Championship game against the Atlanta Falcons. But the way you just look at Aaron Rodgers now, I think this is his worst season because it seems like he used to believe in those bad teams. You know, you could talk about the uh, the relaxed moment, the we're going to run the table this moment. He got asked about that stuff after the Sunday night game, and it seems like he was just like, I don't I don't, Or it was last week, sorry. He seems like he's kind of just like, I don't know, man. Like, what do you want me to say? It seems like Aaron Rodgers doesn't believe in this team. And you saw it Sunday night. He was forcing it downfield when he had open check down, open, open check down. He just wants to, you know, he's saying, I'm going to put it all on my shoulders, and it's not working with this team. So, if you're going to knock him for one thing this season, it seems like he's given up on this team 
given up in quotations as compared to what he used to be. It seems like he just doesn't believe he can carry this specific team to the playoffs. Well, one, now, even if they ran the table, they still might not make the playoffs after doing that. So, but, but for a quarterback, you should have faith in your team. Even if you don't believe it, you should never just be like, I don't, why are you asking that question? I believe the question was, is this a relaxed moment? And he said, no, because that, that has to be an authentic moment. Yeah. He basically said, no, I don't believe in this team. That's well, no, because now, yeah, the relaxed moment, they still technically, like, it was in their hands to win out and make the playoffs. Now, that's not even the case. That's how many games but they he, just lost. He was asked that question last week, so they could have still ran the table. You, you, for a quarterback, you can't just be like, eh, yeah, whatever. I don't know. You have to, you have to be like, yes, we can. I believe in these players. And you know, Aaron Rodgers, he's a bratty quarterback. If, if so, so people gave him shit for the relax comment. Now he's getting shit for not repeating the exact words of the relax comment. He's also in trouble for a season. He got injured week one. Like literally, his the his the number one part of his game is getting outside the pocket, being mobile, and still being able to to throw on a rope while just scrambling around. He can't do that this year. I He really should have taken time to sit out. We don't know how much long-term damage he did to his knee by continuing to play for a team that this is not a playoff team. There's not a lot of quarterbacks that could have came in and taken this team to the playoffs. This idea that it's like, well, that's what he's supposed to do as a top-end guy. You can't drop Tom Brady on this team to get them to, to be a Super Bowl caliber team. There's not a lot of guys who could have pulled this off. You talked about the defense isn't good, but this is also a year where the defense, even an average defense, is worthless. Like the the ways he could have played before, where a average defense keeps you in games, and you just need to make a couple big plays, throw guys open. We're talking about teams, the the top end teams, the the Chiefs and the Rams. They're getting guys open by putting them in motion. They're they're using crafty offenses, and the Packers just sort of line up and hope that all right, well Devontae Adams can get himself open. Nobody else can, but they're expecting them to. And then they wonder why Aaron Rodgers is holding the ball so long, why with this half-assed off of the line, he's getting murdered every play. This this falls on so many other people. Now, you can't completely write off and say it's not partially Rodgers' fault because uh, he's not played up to his standard, but there's a reason for that. He got injured week one. Everything else, this team was not built to be good enough anyways, and if he didn't get injured week one, there's a chance right now they win a couple more games and they're still in the hunt, but that doesn't change the fact that this is not a playoff caliber team. Even if he takes them to the playoffs, they're still not that good. Yeah, and like like you say, I'm not absolving you know Mike McCarthy of the blame. I'm not absolving the offensive scheme of the blame, but we're talking about in terms of Aaron Rodgers. Is this his worst season? I think that's it's almost unfair at this point because Aaron Rodgers has set a such a high standard for his own, you know, stats, his own so, whatever you want to talk about. That we're talking about just comparing that, Aaron Rodgers to previous Aaron. Just Rodgers. compare Aaron Rodgers to anything. Thirty-two hundred yards, twenty TDs, one interception. For anybody else, for just you look at that stat line, and that's a great year. Forget a good year through eleven games. That's a great year. And we're talking about is this his worst year? I've I've heard numerous pundits talk about the, the way you're talking about Tom Brady. They're trying to talk about Aaron Rodgers. Like, has he fallen off a little bit? Is he just getting to that age? You're like, what the hell are you talking about? That People would die for that stat line. Now, did, does it matter when you're 4-6-1? and one? Maybe not, but that's what happens when your team isn't good. Aaron Rodgers is still putting up stats. Is he doing enough to get him to the playoffs? No, but a lot of that is not his fault. See, but I'm not arguing that Tom... 
excuse me, Aaron Rodgers has fallen off the cliff. I'm just, I'm, I'm still saying that that's not a bad year. Like that's not even like oh, it's not up to Aaron Rodgers standard. That's a great freaking year. If you don't have the font, if you don't have the record there, if you don't tell me what the team record is, that stat line is good for everybody. Now the the completion percentage is fallen pretty low. I think it's down to what is it like sixty one right now. But even that's not bad. It's bad in today's NFL where the 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 stats are through the roof. But even then, that's that's not a horrible year to, by any standard. And the rest of the stats look really damn good. He's just had a lot of throwaways because the team is pretty freaking bad. So so what's your final final take on this? Because you it, seem to be it is it his worst season? Uh, I just want I want you to answer the question. His rookie year is probably his worst season. I, but, okay, or not his rookie year, but his uh his first year with the Reigns and. Uh, was it 08? 09? Whatever you. Something like that. Uh, that that was his worst season. Uh, but yeah, otherwise, it's like, is this as good as his last six years? No, but it's not even close to a bad season. But it, we're not arguing bad season. Or and anything. it's not the worst because I just told you his okay. first year with the Reigns is the worst. So, so by default, it's not his worst season. And the idea that it's even a bad season is a dumb take. You, you went on a little bit of a Bobby rant on there. I can respect that. I Is it a Bobby rant for like wanting people to be rational? Yeah, I guess that is the point of Bobby rants. I don't always yeah. agree with them. I don't think they're always right about people being irrational. But that is the point of the rant. Anyways, we're going to move on. There's nothing else to talk about. Mike McCarthy will be let go in the offseason. They're going to bring in some sort of offensive guru to figure it out. Then we can find out how much is Aaron Rodgers' fault and how much uh, can be fixed due to coaching and scheme. And I want to throw it in there real quick that I do believe Mike McCarthy will be fired, and I want Mike McCarthy to be fired. So next up, we'll talk about uh, the week 13, right? Is that what we're up to now? That is correct. I'm never good with numbers. Uh, 13 comes after 12. Saints, Cowboys, Thursday night. God, I just love how your questions like it's like if I if you're asking them to me, it'd be take two seconds. I'm just like, nope. Can the Cowboys stop the Saints? Nope. Nope. Well, the problem is you always say we don't talk about you know the week ahead stuff. So I was looking for stuff to you know talk to about the week ahead before the games, and you know like do you want to talk about the the Cardinals and the Packers, or the Panthers and the Bucks, no, I, or the the Bills and the Dolphins. The problem is looking ahead. There's always like, I don't, I, I don't know. You know, that was a good question for me. Is the Cowboys? You're kind of, you know, still in the MC East run. It's they are in, at home. It's yeah. in, it's in Dallas. You know, it's a Thursday night, which the, is always just wild always things happen. They might just run it 90 times with Zeke to slow down the game. So you know, it's like it in, in Surface Valley. It's like no, of course you're not going to stop it. But you think about it. You know, this is like the one time where they might be able to a Thursday night game after a Thursday night game in Dallas. So Bobby, Zeke's do you think the Cowboys can stop the Saints? In terms of uh, stopping the Saints, I think they'll only give up like 30, 30 points. But yeah, I think Saints win this one. No, oh, fair enough. Uh, so th- there's other games. You got some on the list, but I'll just jump in for things I want to look at. Uh, Broncos Bengals. Uh, we have. Uh, oh, we have Andy Dalton on the IR, yeah. and we have A.J. Green, who's been injured for a few weeks, and he's on my fantasy team. Uh, over under one TV that I break by throwing my <laughs> phone through it. You don't like Driscoll, Daddy? Uh, <laughs> I, I don't even know. If they'll even Why would they put A.J. Green on the field if Andy Dalton is out yeah. there to throw it to him on a lost season? If Andy Dalton is like, eh, that thumb hurts a little bit. I think I'm done right now. Uh, I don't know why A.J. Green would be back out there. So that ends my fantasy hopes. Uh I'm trying to look at other games that matter. You're right. There are just not games that matter this week. We're, uh, we already talked about, we the talked about all the ones the that Patriots. matter. So, um, uh, 
Seahawks 49ers. Uh, with how bad the 49ers are, do we care at all that Richard Sherman, Seahawks, get a face-off? No, I didn't care about Richard Sherman all year. I haven't cared about him. He's still a great cornerback, but, you know, without the whole Legion of Boom nickname, you know, he's not – He's Without, without just, a team that isn't garbage to play for? I mean, without him being propped up by, uh, like, ten other top players and a whole coach that let him be Richard Sherman, you know, he's not a personality anymore. So he's just another cornerback being quiet, playing well. Like, good job. <laughs> Bobby just made the only argument you need for people being loud and obnoxious. Everything we said about negative about Jalen Ramsey, Bobby just contradicted right then in that moment. Be loud, be proud. It's the only way we'll care about you. Uh, well, there's a, that's the only reason I'll talk about you. I'll criticize you, but if you want to sit there and just play well and be quiet, hey, good for you. Like, There's nothing to criticize about that. But if you're going to be in the middle of a game pointing out uh, players on the sidelines and saying you're trash, you're trash, and then you're also criticizing quarterbacks in the offseason while you have one of the worst quarterbacks on your own team and you stay quiet and you still talk trash, that I will point out and be like, yeah, you you kind of be like, you're, you're making your own bed. You got to sleep in it then. All right, uh, important question that people are throwing around. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky injured last week. The Bears end up winning this week. Uh, going against the Giants with the Rams just on deck. Uh, is this a game where the Bears should sit Mitchell Trubisky and just roll with Chase Daniel and hope you win. If the shoulder's not a hundred percent, you should absolutely just roll with Chase Daniel and hope for the best because this is a team that's almost guaranteed to make the playoffs unless, you know, Trubisky is hurt more than we think and the wheels absolutely fall off at the end of the year. But this is not the moment to go all in on Trubisky, say like just hope he doesn't fall on it weird, hope he doesn't re injure it again. But yeah. Just hope Chase Daniels can do enough for you if Trubisky's not 100%. This is this is a moment where you need to sit him and just hope that you can get this win. My initial thought is if he's healthy enough to play, then you play him. Like, I, I get trying to be safe, uh, but even the idea that the Giants are bad enough that you could just gamble, throw in Daniel, get the win, it's ludicrous because this is a Bears team that lost to Osweiler and the Dolphins. Uh, th this is the NFL. Any given Sunday isn't just a movie starring Jamie Foxx and Al Pacino. Uh, it's a phrase that completely holds up. Anybody can win any game, and the Giants rarely put it together, but this is a team with a lot of weapons on the offensive end. You're talking about you're going up against Odell Beckham, Saquon Barkley, uh, even Eli, who, you know, sometimes he looks really good. You know, it's, it's, now that window of when he looks good is getting narrower it's and narrower. about 10 passes at a time. But sometimes he looks good, and you try to go out there, and you even play the same. I, they really shouldn't even have won with – chase daniel it was crazy how bad uh you know the stat padford over there it's so bad how the lions were when they have a, a handful of weapons you know that they should, should be able to do something and the bears just seem like they casually went to an easy victory i don't even as bad as the giants are i don't think it's the same way i think the giants have enough weapons that while they've looked really bad this year uh if it gets going even a little bit against a team that's trotting out their backup quarterback you can lose that game and then you go into a Rams game that it's gonna be really hard to get that victory you just went from being right there in the picture for a possible bye week possible home field advantage and now you're completely out of that picture and the Vikings are half a step all the Vikings have to do is come and beat you the week after that and you just went from you know third team in the NFC to holding on to a wild card spot it's not a risk you should take if Mitchell Trubisky is even close to being 100% 
the idea is if, if that's like a decision where you're trying to make this like, he's close, but I think we can gamble. Don't gamble. Put him out there. Try to get the win. You can do other things to protect him. But the idea that, well, they're the Giants, so we still should be able to pull it off with the backup. No, that's not how this works. It's not how the NFL has ever worked. Uh, I don't mean to be that old lady uh, in the one commercial, but seriously, get him out there, get the victory, because you're going to need each one, particularly with the tough schedule the Bears have throughout the rest of this year. See, if it was any other position but the quarterback, I'd agree with you. But this is your franchise quarterback. We saw how RG3's career got ruined. He wasn't healthy. He got that was a, That was a leg injury. Yeah, but the the idea is still the same. Are you risking your franchise quarterback? We don't – It's he says it's just sore. If it's actually just sore and, you know, like he threw too much and he's sore, that's fine. Yes, put him out there. But if it's a sprain or whatever and it can get worse, I don't think you risk it one game for – How many quarterbacks have had, like, shoulder injuries that were, like, career-ending? Uh, you – did Bradford have a bad shoulder? Stafford has he a had bad a bad shoulder. every, but my like, point every ligament, every bone broke at different points in Sam Bradford's career. Uh, he he is Mister Glass from uh, Unbreakable. My my point being that when you look at different types of injuries, it's different throwing out your running quarterback on a fucked up leg to try to win you a game that doesn't shouldn't even matter right now. Uh, I feel like those are two completely different situations. But the premise for me is still the same. It's If it's your quarterback, and you know this is your quarterback of the future, why risk it for one game, which probably won't matter if you're talking about a top-two seed? Because we live in a new era of the NFL where uh, quarterbacks that are on full contracts with $30 million basically hamstring uh, your chance at winning a Super Bowl. Best way to win is to have a rookie quarterback on a rookie deal. You go out and get as many players, I don't know, maybe a Cleo Mack in the offseason to shore up your defense, and you go all in. If you're going all in, you don't sit there in year one and wonder, well, I hope we don't injure Mitchell Trubisky. We don't end his career with a shoulder injury uh, when we're right about- now in the middle of it. We're, we're almost going to be a team with a bye week. Yeah, let's, 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 uh, let's reel it back a little bit. Look to the future. Yeah, but we're talking about Mitchell Trubisky like he's this game-changing quarterback. I don't Let's care what he is. I my, my point is, right now, you do what works to try to get that bye week. You already went all in for this three-year window. If that three-year window is going to be hampered by a shoulder injury that he says is sore right now, whatever it ends up being, if that ends his career, he was never the guy to begin with, move on, whatever. You're the Bears. So, <laughs> I know uh, I'm saying this about their only good quarterback in 40 years, but I don't give a shit. You're, you're acting like I'm... I may I might have made a bad comparison because you're I'm you're assuming I'm talking about the shoulder injury like it's gonna end his career. No, I'm just talking about like if it gets re injured again. Okay, now you're out for five games. Now you're really screwed. You're, Was it worth? Because if you lose against the Giants because you r- ran with Daniel, you lose against the Rams the next week. Whether Trubisky's healthy, you're now going into a game with the Vikings where it's all on the line to win the division. And even if you win the division. If you don't get that bye week, there's a good chance you're going to get steamrolled by the Rams and the Saints in the second week anyways. So you go all in. You try to get the victories. And otherwise, why did you make all the moves that you did to get this team ready right now? That was because you know it's a short window, and you're going to do all you can to to win now. This is the closest they've been. This 8-3, and three, they, this is a team that could be, right now, they could be at the same record as the Rams and the Saints. They shouldn't have lost uh, to the to the Dolphins. They shouldn't have lost to the Packers week one, and then they could have beat the Patriots. So right now at 8-3, and three, they're on the outside of that bye week picture, and they should have been in if they're that good of a team right now to fall to 8-4 and four because you took a gamble in the Giants game. And then to, most likely, if you can't beat the Giants, you're not going to beat the Rams. Now you're 8-5, and five, 
And that season that could have been ten and one, think that's a huge drop off, just because of some mistakes that happened early in the year, and then now they made this gamble going into this Giants game. See, you're, I, I have an issue if you talk about them going all in. When did they go all in? Besides, like the day before the season this, started, where this they got, team was they, awful before they picked up players in free agency, before they made the trade. Yeah, they all they Cleo got Mack. was yeah, but they got handed Khalil Mack before the season started. They didn't go in the offseason picking up people like they're going all in. All they they picked was, up everybody else. They, all they, they, that team, was Allen Robinson coming off an injury and Trey Burden. They they're, put together a team that was much better. What the, the, we saw them be a better team in the weeks when Khalil Mack was hobbled. This is a much better team. Clearly, Cleo Mack is the thing that put them over the top, but they went from bottom feeder to at least a team that could compete for a playoff spot with or without Cleo Mack. Cleo Mack's the thing that put them in a position where they honestly should be fighting for a bye week. So if Aaron Rodgers is completely healthy, the Vikings are obviously what they were. If you take away Cleo Mack this season, do you think this is a playoff team? I think, no, it's not. I I think well, obviously they the, didn't go all in. That's where that's the one thing that bothers me. I don't think they went all in for this season until they were like, oh, we got Khalil Mack, we can make a run. Getting Allen Robinson is not going all in. Getting Trey Burden is not going all in. Roquan Smith waiting for however long he was to play was not going all in. They they made all the moves they needed to to get them to be a much better team going in this year. If you think Khalil Mack literally takes you from a four and eight team to an eight and four team. That's not how it works. Like the, the, as good as Cleo Mack is, then he would have made the Raiders go from a four and eight team to an eight and four team. And that didn't happen when he was there. The difference of the Raiders (laughs) and the bears is the Raiders had no one else on defense. The bears have a very, very good young defense with Hicks, Jackson, Roquan Smith, Fuller. You could even say Amuka Morris playing out of his mind. So Khalil Mack may actually have elevated this team that much and given them that much confidence on the defense. Cause no matter what you want to say about Trubisky, he's not exactly lighting it up on offense, throwing for the hit for passing attempts. He's 21st in the league right now. This offense isn't the reason they're getting there. It's the defense. Khalil Mack got that defense there and they certainly weren't going in the offseason going all in on that defense. They got handed Khalil Mack. So if you're looking for the future, you're probably looking for the n- next year. And if you're going to gamble Mitch Trubisky's shoulder on this year, it's probably a dumb move either way because you're not getting past the Saints and you're not getting past the Rams in the playoffs. All right. Well, first of all, just real quick as we finish it up, getting Prince Amakamura, that is a move that says we need to get the team together. That's part of that defense looking good. Resign him. Kyle Fuller. Resign. That. Re- that's part of paying them instead of letting them go. That's what a lot of teams end up doing. So all of a sudden, yeah, but you made you, these who moves. goes all in of Prince Amukamura? You're acting like this was like an Eagles dream team situation with what they did in the offseason. Nobody said Mac. anything about Eagles. I'm talking about making the moves you need to do to say we're going to win now. When you give that contract, when you give four years, $56 million to Kyle Fuller, when you give three years, $27 million, that is making a commitment. And then you add in Cleo Mack. That's the thing that puts you over the top. But you had to make those moves. And a lot of teams, if they're looking at Prince of Makamura and they're like, are we going to win this year? No. Well, he, he can go. But instead, they said, no, we can, we think we can make it now. Were they foolish until they got Cleo Mack? Maybe so. But they were still making moves that said, we need to win in this window that Mitchell Trubisky has. But they weren't winning. They weren't going all in for this year. 
that's my that's the problem I have with this argument is they no no one move they made was like this is the year we're going all in for this year they didn't even know what they had in Mitchell Trubisky yet and I still don't think they do because this is Matt Nagy's offense making Trubisky look better than he is so, but you always say that like Trubisky is like gonna fall off a cliff because Matt Nagy's going to disappear next year he's gonna he's get not kidnapped. falling off a cliff but this isn't a guy right now he's t- but if he's putting up the numbers which you said oh he's not lights out there have been games this year where he played lights out he has put up the numbers this year whether that's some sort of mirage by the scheme the scheme's gonna be there next year people you're saying the same dumb things people said about Jared Goff last year and then what did he do he got better the next year He's, it doesn't matter if he has the scheme. That just means it's there's more likely that he's not going to fail because he has the right guy coaching him to put him in the right situation. That's not going to go away next year. It's still going to be there. He's going to keep progressing at whatever level he progresses. And right now, they have actually put a team around him. And if they think they're going to win, why would they sit him and put themselves down when they're right now in the hunt for that bye week? Unless he, is, unless he is extremely hurt, you put him in the game. Because I'm saying this isn't the year. I'm not arguing what he can do next year. He may very well make a jump next year, but for in terms of this year, this isn't his year. This isn't the Bears' year. So, I, I what did I just? They were two two dumb plays away from being the same record as the Saints and the Rams right now. Like, yeah. if that's not good enough for the year, they're not going to have a year where it's good enough. Yeah, but what? This is the year my, that you go and you don't just say, "Well, I hope I hope we can beat the Giants with Chase Daniel." Because he did it on Thanksgiving. But if you're saying they're going in all in for this year, you're assuming they're going all in to win a Super Bowl. I don't think you go all in with an injured quarterback like, oh, you know, we won a playoff game. We made the NFC Championship game. No, I don't think that's the right mindset. Maybe it's because I'm a spoiled New England Patriots fan and Super Bowl or bust, but you shouldn't go all in hoping to win a playoff game or two. But I don't think there's that big of a risk. The, the all in is just... We are in a position to do it right now. Why wait until next year when we're good enough right now? We've put up the record. We, If we win these games right now, we can try to get that bye week and put us in a better position to make a run deep in the playoffs. Like, why would you try to punt that down? Unless Trubisky's actually, like, it doesn't have to be just sore. It can be a real injury. But unless it's bad, unless it's not even close, if there, if, if it's some sort of, like, heads or tails put him in the game it shouldn't be a gamble it should literally be is he healthy enough to play if he is put him in the game i and i'm saying if he's not you don't put him in the game well cool if, we were on different sides <laughs> and we can end it we talked about it too long and power rankings go i like how we're like agreeing and arguing at the same time well i mean it's slightly different and i i have my point we, we we're not agreeing because we're on different sides it's literally i say play him he has to actually be hurt otherwise like, and I'm not one of those weird guys who's like a play through the injury, but it's literally, if, if it really is this idea that you're like, well, he's close, but I think we can win the game with Chase Daniel anyways. I think that is a dumb opinion to have. Now, you, you would hope your backup's good enough to win, and it's like, okay, Trubisky isn't ready to go. We're going to roll with Chase Daniel when we trust him. But the idea that you're actually going to be like, eh, I, I, I think the Giants suck enough that we can just do it with the backup. No. That is a dumb plan to have, and that's how you end up losing two weeks in a row because you made that gamble. Okay, we can we can move on because yeah, I feel like, I feel like we just go back and forth on that. But uh, power rankings not really changing, so we'll go through them quick. You got Saints to one, Rams two, Chiefs three. I got the Bears at four, and then uh, 
I originally had the Vikings at five, and I couldn't figure out why I had the Vikings at five. And then I remember what you said last week as the kiss of death, and I was like, haha, I'm going to put the Vikings oh, at smart. five and be funny. But then, then I changed it because I forgot my own dumb joke from last night, and I got the I got the Chargers at five. But the kiss of death last week was the Bears, and they won, so the curse has been broken. Yeah, uh, mine, uh, very similar. Saints one, Rams two, Chiefs three, Bears at four. A uh, little bit different there because I, I don't know why he threw the Chargers in. Maybe. I don't know. I, I, they didn't prove it you know, this last week. Uh I, I think Vikings probably would have been a, a, a better option, but I think it's Texans right now. I think uh, you, there's an argument against it because you can look at the schedule and say they really haven't beat anybody. But when you roll the way that they're rolling, you know what their ceiling is. You know that they could have a defense to complement a high-powered offense. Uh, until I see them lose against a, a good team, uh, you know I, I'm just going to put them right there. Maybe I have the kiss of death. Who knows? I'm have the, I have the Texans at five, and they could be higher. They are looking really good right now. I really want to see what they look like against a top-end team. Uh, that's it. That's uh, that's all we have. You have anything else you want to have? Obviously, when we get done with this, uh, we'll, we will play Bobby's rant of the week. We wanted to put that at the end. We didn't want to make anybody have to sit through 11 minutes of that if they didn't want to. If you're excited about Bobby's rant, it'll be right there at the end. If it's don't, just shut off the podcast. If anybody tries to complain to me because we have rants each week, despite easily you could avoid it if you're actually mad about that, uh, I, I don't know what I'm going to do to you, but I'm going to call you an idiot to your face. Um, so I mean, if you're going to sit through uh, an hour and a half of us ranting badly about football, why not another 13 minutes of me ranting poorly about a Harry Potter movie experience? Exactly. That was a good pitch, and that's it. That's all we have for this episode of the Tell Me More NFL Show on the Tell Me More podcast. jacket off i'm getting hot already thinking about it it's then, like 60 degrees in here man i haven't even turned the heat on like the, yeah the like, Vince i'm sweating because it's starting to piss me off a little bit because i'm starting to think about it again well go it's recording now. oh you it is recording yeah, you, you didn't tell me talking. it was recording i hit the button you got to give me like some type of intro like oh how are you doing today bobby well no because this is at the end we're gonna do it's just gonna be like a it's just cold. gonna be like a hard cold cut into i'm gonna it. i'm gonna play like the exit music yeah and then all of a sudden it's, it's gonna like fade fading. back out okay. and it's gonna be you and it's gonna be you talking so. okay fair enough you know so i went to uh legends to see the new harry potter movie the oh it's not a harry potter movie actually i mean it's a harry, it's a harry potter franchise but yes. it's not no but i got yelled at by someone who is a harry potter fan because this is what annoyed Who's me before yelling at you? it was a friend but this okay. annoyed me before i even went to the movie a couple days before that i was like yo you want to go see harry potter with me she's like well, harry potter's not out i'm like what do you mean it's coming out it came out the movie's released it's a harry potter movie she's like well no it's not it's a harry potter cinematic universe movie i was like dude I was like, are you kidding? I'm not going to say all those words every time I, I want to like, ask you about the movie. I was like, I wasn't going to type out, do you want to go see Fantastic Beasts and the Crimes of Grindelwald? I don't even know how to spell Grindelwald. And I was like, she's like, well, either way, I don't, I can't go. I was like, well, then what's the point of arguing with me? And that'd be like, you want to go see a Marvel movie? But like, that's not a Marvel movie. That's Iron Man. Like, it's the same difference. We all know what we're talking about. I guess about. in this case, it would be the opposite. Way it'd be the you opposite. You say Iron Man, yes. but it's like, actually, we're but watching you, the Avengers right now. You, you, it's part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You get my point. It's like, you'd yes. understand what I'm talking about. So I drive all the way up to Legends because I needed to do some shopping. And I was like, whatever, I'll go see it. And it turns out I was in an IMAX theater. I've never been in their IMAX theater. So I was like, whatever. That's supposed to be like the nice one. It was... $16 for a ticket. So already that's like basically the price of the DVD coming out. I could have waited or I could have just got it at Redbox for a dollar or I could have just 
you know, semi-illegally borrowed it offline for free. We'll never know, but I ended up paying $16 for this. And they that's one of the theaters that has the food and the drinks. So, of course, I'm going to get sauced at the movie theater. Of course, I'm going to get some food because I want to get a burger. So I wait in line for like 15 minutes. The hamburgers are literally half of their menu. I'm not joking. That's the whole reason I was waiting in this line is for a hamburger. It's an 8 o'clock movie. So I'm waiting in line at 7.30 basically because I'm a good boy. I want to get there early because I know, I know I'm going to have to be spending some time there. I get up to the the guy, and he, I was like, all right, I'll have this hamburger. He's like, well, we don't have that. I'm like, all right, I'll have this hamburger. Like, we don't have hamburgers at all. We stopped serving them. I'm like, why did you stop serving them at 7.30? Your last movie's at 10.30. I'd understand it if I was in for the 10.30 movie, and you're just like, yeah, sorry, man, we turned off the grill. But no, it's 7 o'clock. It's prime time. This is dinner time. And I was like, all right, you know, let's not get too upset. You know, it's early on, you know, trying to enjoy my experience. And I was like, they had this, like, kind of like a chipotle bowl. It was, like, chicken, rice, a bunch of just random stuff. But it sounded nice. It was, like, a chicken, chipotle, southwest thing. I was like, I don't remember what it was. But it had guac in it. And I hate guac. I despise guac. I got in a fight with a chipotle Twitter guy about guac one time. That's a different story. By the way, people, if you're at chipotle and you're serving guac and it gets on your hands, change your gloves. It's gross. But back to this story, because the guac is the reason this annoyed me. And I was just like, all right, I don't want guac on it. And he rings up an Asian bowl. I'm like, I was like, that's not even close, bro. I was always like, I wanted this chicken chipotle Southwest bowl. And he's like, and I was like, with no guac. He's like, it doesn't come with guac. I literally had to point out the menu to him, to the food item I wanted. And I said, here it is. Here's what's on it. Here's what it's called. And I was like, no guac. He rings it up again, Asian bowl. He's like, can I have that menu? Because he didn't know how to spell guac. Not knocking this guy for not knowing how to spell guacamole. If you didn't ever see it before, I'd understand why. But you had to look at the physical menu of the item. And you still rang it up wrong. And I was like, whatever, dude. I was like, this guy clearly ain't getting it. Whoever serves me my food, I'll just be like, you got me the wrong thing. Can you go get me this? No problem. Go sit in my $16 seat. But first, I got to get a Bloody Mary. And this was like the most cutely awkward person ever but it took me so long in the food line i want to just go get my bloody mirror and get to my seat but uh go up to the bartender she was like probably my age something like that so i figured she understood like the process i was like hey can i get a bloody mary she's like sure and i knew she was gonna ask for my id so i got my id ready and she's just like waited a minute and i'm like looking around like what's going on Are you gonna ask for this or not she's like Oh, can I have your ID? Like a question. I was like, do you need my ID? And she kind of looked at me. I was like, all right, here it is. She's like, yeah, I said that kind of weird and kept like wasting time. I'm just like trying to be polite, trying to be nice. But, like seriously, though, let's hurry up and get my $16 Bloody Mary. I got to go. And then she doesn't like tomatoes. So, of course, she's just like, ugh, gross tomatoes. Like giving me all these faces. And I'm just looking around. I'm like, is she trying to be cute? Is she trying to be flirty? But like, I don't understand people at all. Like. You're talking to a brick wall of non-emotion right now besides just angry and pissed off. That's like my one two, one or two emotions. That's it. But either way, I, I tip her because it was kind of funny. She made me laugh. Go to my seat. The thing doesn't recline. Are you kidding me? It's a $16 ticket in an IMAX theater, and they don't recline. And it's like slightly curved, so you got to sit straight up because I'm a tall boy, and even if I lean back, I don't fit all the way. So... 
I was like, all right, whatever. It can't be that bad. But, of course, you know, halfway through the movie, my, like, 90-year-old back is blown out. I have, like, I'm trying to figure out a way to get comfortable in the seats. It was super awkward, super terrible. But it's not even the worst part. So I spent $54, basically, on food, drink, and a movie ticket. And I was like, all right, this movie's going to blow me out of the water because I really like the main guy, Eddie Redmayne. I hope I pronounced your last name right. I know you're going to be listening to this. Of course he is. Yeah, of course he is. I'll tweet it at him, see you. But, okay, so the title of this movie is Fantastic Beasts. Fantastic Beasts. There's like two animals in this movie, but that's not even the thing that annoyed me the most. It was the whole story concept. See, I have watched every Harry Potter movie, like, casually. Because it seems like every one of them is just a setup to like the next one. They never really serve any purpose besides getting to the next movie. But the first one of these is, uh, I can't remember exact plot is, but they find like this super evil dude, super evil kid. His name's Credence, and they end up setting up the main villain, which is Johnny Depp's Grindelwald. Which I really am disappointed because I love Colin Farrell. So I'm like, whatever. Johnny Depp's gonna ham it up. I'll enjoy it. But this movie from beginning to end was just like so poorly done. And the whole point of the movie was I still don't know. I honestly I honestly don't know. It was just it was a setup to the third movie. It was kind of it was basically like uh oh my what is that one here the new Star Wars that was basically just a remake. What uh I don't know which one's a remake. It was the seventh Star Wars movie. I don't remember what it was called. The Last Jedi, uh new whatever it was. I mean I don't Force Awakens. Force Awakens, yes. So this was just like a Force Awakens. It was just like a setup for the next movie. Really pissed me off. But the point of this movie is they're trying to find credence because he's like the super evil dude. Like you gotta kill him or else he's gonna like go over to Grindelwald and the wizarding world's going to blow up and Earth's going to just explode. Not exact plot, but Pretty it's just... Pretty high stakes there. Yeah, it's just like, it's supposed to be like high stakes. It's supposed to be exciting. And they're all like all trying to set up like, oh, who is Credence? I'm like, oh, that's obviously Voldemort. And they like set up a couple other things. They have Nicholas Femmel and this, uh, the Philosopher's Stone because I'm fancy and I, I go to the UK. It's not the Sorcerer's Stone. But either way... This whole movie is just like, oh, they're supposed to be setting him up. And the thing that pissed me off the most is they're talking to Jude Wall's Dumbledore, and he's like, oh, you know, they had a story that if uh, a Dumbledore is in trouble, uh, a uh, phoenix shows up. And I was like, all right, that's that's a random plot point to bring up. And then just randomly throughout the movie, they have credence with this like little bird. And I was like, you, I was like, don't you do it. I was like, this better not be a phoenix. Like, this dude doesn't even understand what he is. And the whole movie's like, oh, this is what he is. This is what he is. I'm like, dude, I'm like, just tell me. At the end of this movie, he, Johnny Depp's evil guy, like, ends up getting credence. He has his little bird. Johnny Depp throws it up in the air. It ends up being a phoenix. I'm like, what the? I'm like, no, you don't get to do this. You don't get to set him up as a Dumbledore and have the evil guy bring the phoenix alive. Because the phoenix isn't helping Grindelwald. It's supposed to be helping a Dumbledore. But my point is, they just bring up the bird randomly. He's just feeding it one scene. Where did he get it? What happens if he's just like, oh, man, I don't want this bird. I don't know what it is. That's just annoying. Why do I want to take care of another bird? It's called fate, Bobby. It's called fate. But what happens if he just looked at it, didn't know what it was? He's like, "Ah, I don't want that bird. And why does Grindelwald get to summon it with his fairy magic that he's just like, ah, it's a real big phoenix now? And the end of the movie, they like give him a credence, a wand, and he kind of just like, like flicks at it and just like the mountain blows up. I'm like, what's going on here? 
I'm like, does the wand have the power? Or does a person have the power? Like, this makes no sense to me because you're supposed to be like, say, you know, mountain blow up is, and the mountain's supposed to blow up. You know, it's a point of the Harry Potter universe. You're supposed to say the spell and the wand does it. He just moves the wand and it blows up. It makes no sense to me. That whole movie, I had like so many plot points that were annoying me. And this one just like, it literally kept me up at night. I was like up at 3 a.m. sweating, pissed off. Because I was like, dude, what happens if you just didn't realize this was the bird he's supposed to have? You might say it's fate, but the bird showed up as like a chi You can't see it, but it's like the bird showed up as like a little chicken that's basically the size of a quarter. And I'm like, are you kidding me? This whole movie was about fate. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. No crimes of Grindelwald happened, I guess, except for the end. He killed a couple of the bad guys, but it was really... Killed a couple of the good guys, I guess, but the good guys were attacking the bad <laughs> I guys. I love how you say that, because you're on the side of the villain. I can see it. But, like, the whole point of the movie was, like, <laughs> nothing was resolved. I'm like, what was his crime? They even, like, the ending was he was talking to, like, the bad guy followers, and even they were like, listening to him's not a crime. I'm like... All right, then why are you guys here? Like, you kind of just, yeah, I'm like, what, like, what are you guys doing? Like, all, all, all you're doing is wasting my time and my $54. They, there was no resolution to this movie besides you figure out who he is. I'm like, I don't give a damn who he is. I want to see some magic stuff happen. And, oh, okay, okay, this, this is the other thing. No, I just figured out what else pissed me off. So I got to figure out what this girl's name in this, this movie is. Oh, my God, uh. So, Newt and Tina are the love interest from the first movie. And, oh my, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess this up so bad with the names. I apologize. But it's Newt Scamander and Tina from the first movie are the love interest. And the whole thing is they're not together in the second movie because a magazine printed that Newt was marrying someone when, in fact, it was Newt's brother was marrying someone. And that was the love interest tension in the movie you're telling me in a universe where wizards can teleport to you that you didn't know that your best friend slash love interest wasn't actually getting married because a newspaper printed it wrong a newspaper this is a world where you can literally blow up mountains with your power and you're getting pissed off at someone because a newsprinter Newspaper printed something wrong. That's the manufactured tension in this movie is a newspaper. This is coming from a journalist. If you read something in a newspaper, like, huh, that seems a little bit weird. You'd just be like, ah, the newspaper printed. It must be right. It's like, no, I'm going to teleport to him, see what's up. So, Bobby, uh, as I don't know nearly enough about this film to, to combat your argument any other way, uh, but I, I, I do have one. For, first, I'm going to criticize you for ever yep. spending 54 bucks on it. The, the movie yep. could have been the best movie I've seen in my life. See, but I wouldn't it, have paid 54 bucks. It was the whole thing because uh, I wanted a hamburger, which is only $12. No, I get it. Bad. I get it. Once, yeah. once, once the hamburger's not there, you don't get anything. I was you, hungry, dude, because I was banking on the hamburger and had to eat it all day. Nope. You you don't get tricked. <laughs> first of all, you, you bring McDoubles with you before you get there. Never pay for movie theater food that's you, a rookie mistake number two i just want to know bobby yeah you, i'll give you yeah. a minute because we need to be just done with this rant what is the last movie you've seen where you weren't angry enough to nearly blow up my microphone yelling about it what was the last movie you actually enjoyed oh uh, see that's not fair because i watched so 100% many 100 percent fair name one movie that name one movie you've ever enjoyed uh, while at the movie theater 
while at the movie, movie theater, theater of Bohemian Rhapsody. So you actually enjoyed it? I enjoyed the movie very much. I hated the bros sitting next to me. I really enjoyed the movie. All right. Fair enough. Uh, that's it. We're going we're gonna to have to get out of here on this rant.